0: This is Pat Donahue. We appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every Sunday night at this time. On this program, you're able to call in, ask your Bible question, or make your point, perhaps even in disagreement with me. That's fine, as long as we understand that the Bible is the authority. Whatever it says is right. If you can prove to me your position from the Bible, then I will gladly accept it. I want only the truth. Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So whatever God's word said is the truth on any issue. I will gladly change if you can prove me wrong. Perhaps you just have a Bible question. You want to know what the Bible says about whatever particular topic, that would be fine. Probably a lot of the audience out there would like to know the answer to the same question. We would be glad for you to call in and ask your Bible question. Might mention... The website, BibleCrossfire.com, BibleCrossfire.com. You can go there and uh, basically click on a link to send me an email to ask me a question. Perhaps you don't want to do it on the air, you'd rather do it that way. Or maybe start a conversation about a particular Bible topic where we can talk about it over email. You can go there to BibleCrossfire.com and listen to recordings of previous any previous program. You can go there and request... If you want to have a one-hour phone Bible study with me. Uh, If you'd like to have a a Bible study with me by the phone, then we can arrange that. You could go to BibleCrossFire.com and uh, send me that request and the way that works normally. If you have an email address, I send you an email with an outline. We agree upon a time for me to call you and we talk and have a Bible study using that outline for one hour. We do that, of course, totally free of charge. BibleCrossFire.com The last couple of weeks we've been talking about Second Peter chapter one verse three, which reads According as his talking about God's divine power hath given us all given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. And we were talking about some of the things that this verse might be talking about. And by the way, let me repeat what the announcer said in the very beginning. If you have a Bible question or comment Give us a call at 877 655 The number to call is 877-655-6755. Just reviewing the last couple of weeks, we, talk, we were talking about some of the things that God has given us through His divine power that pertain to life and godliness. And first and foremost, He's given us, giving us His Word, the Bible. And we talked about that. We talked about how that God gives us forgiveness of sins through the death of Christ. I can't think of anything that's more important than that. That would be something that God gives us through His divine power that definitely pertains to life and godliness, and that is the forgiveness of sins through the death of Christ. We'll come back to the third thing on on my list after we take this call. Stephen from Minnesota. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
1: Uh, Yes, so I'm calling on uh, the book of Isaiah, my question is is where God's talking about um, where you have uh, believers um, who are you know speaking with their mouths but that's not in their heart with their worship or where they're at so you know that lip service Christian how do we reach them um, through I know it's through I, you know I really believe kind of like through our actions to the church is that right?
0: well the only way you can really, reach somebody no matter what their problem is spiritually is with the word of god the, the the bible says in romans chapter 1 verse 16 that the gospel is the power of god unto salvation so the way that god reaches people he does not twist people's arms and force them to become a faithful christian he tries okay. to persuade them through the scriptures 2 corinthians 5:11 paul said knowing therefore the terror of the lord we persuade men Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, Stephen, the way we have to reach them is let God reach them through us, and that's be in a kind and gentle way, point out to them what the scriptures have to say. Go ahead, Stephen.
1: Okay, and so that ties into um, where you, you know, remove the plank from your eye uh, before you remove the speck from them?
0: Yeah, that's in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. We, okay. we of course, the point of that passage would be if you're a drunkard, you don't have any business going around trying to correct people on drinking. You follow what I'm saying, right? Yeah. First, remove the plank out of your eye. You quit drinking, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck out of their eye. Matthew seven one through five. Then you can try to help another person with their sin, but you need to straighten your life up first.
1: Okay. No, I understand that. So then, with Um, where you were talking about. So now if you have, um, if you feel like your pastor is appeasing to them and not, you know, pressing the issue or preaching the word, but, um, you know, I don't know if it's an apostasy there or not. How, you know, how, I mean, is there an area that you're going in, like into the Proverbs or the Psalms, where you're finding, you know, you're praying for that wisdom, so that you can be praying into their their hearts to soften, so that they can hear the word of God, tearing up that you know whatever fallow ground or whatever's there. Um, am, am I on the right track, or am I off here?
0: No, I think you're right. If the preacher where I attended was was appeasing the the people who were not doing what's right, then I first definitely would pray for them, and then I would try it in the kind and gentle way try to point out to the preacher. That he needs to, uh, and, that he needs to, teach the truth on that issue, and not try to, preach to the choir all the time, not try to appease okay. them, right. not try to pander right. to his audience. You know, preachers are tempted to do that, to pander to the audience, because if they preach the truth and they step on somebody's toes, it could affect their salary.
1: Okay. Uh, no, that's right? that, And then if I go to that pastor preacher, um. From what I understand under scripture, it's correct to go with two, not just yourself, right? If you're going, for that's a, a good point. Or anything. Well, I mean, you know, because you know, you know, one of the worst things that can happen is is then you're the accuser and you're like going, well, you know, I'm just bringing this up. You're supposed to bring it before your brother in Christ, right?
0: Okay. But let me, let me read Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17, because I think that's where you're drawing from. It says, Moreover, okay. if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall okay. hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that okay. in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Okay. This would apply mainly Stephen to private sins where another brother sins against you privately, and you can see right. the wisdom of that if it's still private, yeah. give him a chance right. to repent about it, repent of it before the world knows about it. You see what I'm saying yes, yes, that and, that helps that helps a lot that's matthew so, eighteen fifteen through seventeen if we'll go back and look at right. that later, Stephen
1: Yes, I will no, that helps a lot and well, and there's some apprehension in me in you know. You know, I was always taught and brought up in the church that the preacher should preach like he wants to get fired. <laughs> you know, not hide the word of God, just preach it, you know. And and uh, there the this one pastor is so afraid to hurt people feeling.
0: Yeah. It, especially I I think your
1: millennial generation it's just wow. I,
0: I think there's a big problem with preachers in general pandering to their audience. They, they, okay. What we do, they spend more time preaching to the choir and preaching about the sins of people who are not there, instead of preaching what the people who are there need, what they're not following the Bible on. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, yes, they do. No, thank you. No. Now, it's God. now Stephen, that, that, that's easier. Yeah. Stephen, that's easier said than done because when the preacher <laughs> preaches like he ought to, he could end up losing his position.
1: Right. Right. Well, that's why yeah.
0: preachers are tempted not to do that.
1: Yeah, I understand. I understand. Thank you.
0: Thank you for your call, Stephen.
1: Thank you for your call. God bless. Bye.
0: Same to you. So another thing that God gives us that pertains to life and godliness through His divine power is the necessities of life. And this, I'll admit, probably would pertain more to the life part than to the godliness part in Second Peter one three. But we can get that idea from Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said there, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. He was in the context he's talking about the necessities of life shall be added unto you. So from the context we see from this verse that if we will put God first, even before our jobs, then he'll make sure we get the necessities of life. Ben from Iowa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
2: Okay, thank you, sir. I really appreciate your program. Do you have to forgive someone that has sinned against you if they don't ask for forgiveness? It says if your brother sins against you. And also, does that mean someone that is a brother in Christ and not uh, pertain to a person that isn't a brother? Uh, Would you help me on that, please?
0: Ben, I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 13, verse 3, and this is what Jesus said, and see if it answers your question. Here's what Jesus said. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Does that answer your question? Well,
2: kind of, sort of. Brother means someone that has accepted Jesus
0: Christ. Brother in Christ. Yes. But what does it say right. about a brother? What does it say about forgiving a brother? First, it says if he repents, forgive him. Right. But right. your question was, I think, what if he doesn't repent? What does it say about that brother?
2: Well, yes. You know, as far as I'm concerned, and the way I believe, and if I'm wrong, I'll change. You don't have to forgive them if they don't ask for forgiveness.
0: That's what it says. It says if your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So as long as he won't repent, you don't forgiving him means that you quit rebuking him. And you if you do that, if you forgive him before he's repented, that'll lead to the false hope in his mind that he's been forgiven by God and that he's in a safe relationship with God. So the last thing you want to do is forgive him, if he hadn't repented. If he repents, you have to forgive him. And Matthew six, fourteen and fifteen says, If he repents and you don't forgive him, God won't forgive you. But this passage says if he won't repent, you have to continue to rebuke him. And I'm talking about as you have opportunity and in a kind and gentle way. Now, Ben, this doesn't mean that we hold a grudge against them or that we try to get even. That's not what we're talking about. When we say we don't re- forgive them until they repent, what we mean is is that we continue to encourage them to repent. doesn't mean we hold a grudge or anything like that. you follow me, Ben? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Ben, thank you for your call. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you, sir. God
0: bless you. Have a good evening. R.J. from Washington State. Go ahead with your question, Bible question or comment, please. Hey there. Thanks for taking the time
1: to answer my call. Quick question on your view on Orthodox Christianity. Um, Started exploring that and kind of wrestling a little bit back and forth between kind of your Protestant versus Orthodox. Um, One of the questions that I keep coming back to is, what did the early Christian believers do before the Bible was officially put together? Um, So just wanted to maybe get your insight on that, if you can kind of maybe point me in the right direction or clarify some of that confusion.
0: Okay. Well, what they did, RJ, is, and this is going to take, I can't explain this in just one minute, but but perhaps you can contact me later by going to my website, BibleCrossFire.com, and send me an email, we could talk about it in depth. But basically, before the Bible, the New Testament was completed and all put together, they had apostles and New Testament prophets that God would reveal miraculously His New Testament law through prophecy and tongues and things like that. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-13 shows that once the New Testament was completed, then you didn't have any need for the prophecy and the tongues anymore, and they ceased. But during that time... You would have the prophecy in the tongues. You didn't have the completed New Testament. So these preachers would be inspired by God to preach a message, prophecy, and they could perform a miracle to confirm that God was with them. Do you follow what I'm saying? Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. When Nicodemus started his conversation with Jesus in John 3, 2, he says, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except that God be with him. So when these Jesus and when the apostles and New Testament prophets performed these miracles, everybody knew that God was with them so they knew that what they preached was the truth, which is what orthodoxy really is, is believing the truth. Then once the Bible was completed, the New Testament in this case, there was no more need for this confirmation because if you wanted to know if somebody's preaching the truth, he didn't have to perform a miracle anymore because you could just compare what he said with what the Bible said and see if he preaching the truth. You follow me, RJ? Okay. I am, yeah. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. That definitely clarifies some things. And I'll
0: uh, I'll shoot you an email on your, you said, it, what was the email address again or the, the well, website? the website, the name of this program is Bible Crossfire. So the website is BibleCrossfire.com. But my email address, you can send me an email at BibleCrossfire.com. Um, dot email dot com not gmail but email dot com bible crossfire at email dot com okay gotcha okay but perfect. the simplest thing all to right. do the sim- simplest thing to do is just remember the website bible dot com because you can go there and click on a link and send me an email automatically
1: perfect alright yeah I'll shoot you an email we can talk a little bit more in depth on it I sure do appreciate the time
0: that sounds great RJ thank you for your call alright thanks a lot you know, bye alright Another thing that we're talking about from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 that God gives us through His divine power that pertains to life and godliness our parents to guide us in our youth. And I think we, mis- we underestimate that. Without our parents' good influence, probably not very many of us would be faithful Christians today. It's through their good influence that helps us to be a faithful Christian. Let's not overlook that benefit. Some people don't have that benefit of having good parents that guide us in our youth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, "Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So good parents, their first priority is to teach their children to serve God. And that's something that God gives us through His divine power that pertains to life and godliness, that's going to help us with the life and godliness, and that is good parents to help guide us toward following the Lord. Angela from Indiana, go ahead
3: with your Bible question or
0: comment, please.
3: Well, I had a a question. You had just had a caller that called about forgiveness, and you read a scripture. You passed it to him, and and, and he was talking about your brother. And I'm just very confused because forgiveness isn't necessarily always for that person. Do you understand? Forgiveness for me, if I hold on to bitterness and I allow it to take root because I'm unforgiving... In another human being be it Christian brother or not I'm not hurting that person it's like having them drink poison and or myself drinking the poison and hoping they're gonna die you know holding these grudges allowing that bitterness to take root and you you said that bitterness or that you had to forgive if they repent you have to forgive mm-hmm. so many times in your life or people who are never ever going to be sorry for what they have done that forgiveness isn't for them, per se, it is for you, so that bitterness doesn't allow, you don't allow that bitterness to take root, and you become the monster that you say you hate, or you are unforgiving of. We can't, we have to forgive. Christ forgave us, even while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross for us. So that really kind of concerned me when you said this to this man, because if he's carrying this bitterness in his spirit, and he's allowed this thing to take root He's never going to grow in Christ because he's going to be so consumed with this. I don't have to forgive you because you have not repented. Christian or thank not you for Christian. Angela.
0: Thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. And so Angela stated her opinion, but it was obviously, I mean, different than what Jesus said in Luke seventeen three. He says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So Jesus clearly says that we only forgive a person who sinned against us if they repent. Now, Angela has a different opinion than Jesus, and, and she can have that opinion, but we're going to accept what Jesus says. Now, I made it clear in my previous answer that we do not hold a grudge, that we do not hold bitterness. Not forgiving something, somebody shouldn't have anything to do with holding a grudge or having bitterness. Holding a grudge and having bitterness is a sin on our part. We should never do that. Forgiving or not forgiving someone. And so Luke 17.3 says, if they repent, forgive them, which means if they don't repent, don't forgive them. I'm not saying you should hold a grudge or have any bitterness. That's bad. That's terrible. Angela's right about that. But if we forgive them before they repent, that gives them this false hope that they're in a right relationship with God when they're not, and that's going to be trouble for them on the judgment day. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- Six five five six seven five five eight seven seven six seven. Excuse me, let me repeat that: eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. Another thing that God gives us through His divine power that pertains to life and godliness is basically related to the last point I gave him, gave us, and that is He gave us good parents to help guide us toward being faithful Christians. But He also gives us other people, other than our parents, like other Christians who will encourage us to remain faithful. He puts those people in our lives and He does that through His divine power and He gives us that to help us in things that pertain to life and godliness. We can read that from a passage like Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which reads, "...and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another," and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So this verse is telling us that we should not forsake the church assembly. And it's giving us one of the main reasons we should attend church is to encourage others and be encouraged toward love and good works. By going to church, we can encourage others to show love and to have good works and we'll be encouraged to demonstrate love and to have good works. I sometimes say pretty much it's be impossible to live the Christian life without the help of other Christians. And that shows the wisdom of God by putting us in congregations. He designed it so that we're in congregations and so that we can help one another be Christians. And, and so since we're there to try to encourage one another and be encouraged and learn from the Bible and, and worship and praise God together, that's going to be very valuable. And maybe that's why this passage makes it a sin to skip church services. It's a command that we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So it's not optional. Anton from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please.
2: Hi, Patrick. How are you?
0: I'm fine. How um, are you doing, partner? I'm,
2: I'm doing well, thank you. Thank um... you about forgiveness. I, I think Angela was right uh, what she said, you know, about forgiveness. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, we cannot we cannot reconcile with a person if they're not uh, ready to reconcile, but, but we have to forgive others uh, no matter if they're asking for forgiveness or not. It's for our sake, not for the other person's sake.
0: Okay, Anton, thank you so much for your call. So I think... This, this, these two calls demonstrate why this program is needed. Because most people out here there who claim to be Christians, they, they do what they think is right. Anton and the previous caller both think we ought to forgive people, even if they don't repent. But what we should do in religion is practice what the Bible teaches, not what we think is best. And Jesus said, Luke thirteen three. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. Obviously, that implies that if he doesn't repent, we should not forgive him. And I think this demonstrates. I am will just make a guess that ninety-five percent of the people who claim to be believers in Christ, the way they practice religion is, they don't use the Bible as their guidebook. Instead, they're like Anton. They say, "What do I think is best?" What do I think we ought to do? And that's what we're going to do. But they don't... This is the way they ought to approach it, but they don't. When they're trying to determine something, like whether or not they're going to allow women preachers, how often they're going to eat the Lord's Supper, whether or not they're going to allow gay marriage, instead, we should turn to the Bible to find out what's right about that. Instead, people like Anton, they don't consider what the Bible has to say. They just practice what they think is best. And instead... We should practice what Jesus said in Luke thirteen three, And that's why we're not going to allow gay preachers. Why, uh, why we're not going to allow women preachers? Because of passages like Romans 1, 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. It's because of what the Bible says. We don't do what we think is right. We do what God says to do. And that's the difference between the the, the Christians who are faithful to God and those out there that are just doing what they think. If you want to have a one-hour phone Bible study with me, Call or text me at 256-682-9753. Again, the way that would work, if you have email, I'll send you an email with an outline. We'll agree upon a time where I can call you for one hour. We'll have a good Bible study for one hour for free. If you're interested in that, call or text me, 256-682-9753 if you want the one-hour phone Bible study with me, 256-682-9753.